Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and our topic is spider mites. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and this is one of those topics, Brian, that hits a little close to home. We had some spider mites last year that they got to be pretty tough and you know over the last couple of years of dry conditions we we tend to see more spider mites in our area. It's not something we're dealing with every single year but certainly uh, that may be a problem for you on your farm each and every year. So we're going to talk about what you need to know about spider mites and how you need to get them under control. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. All right. One of the things I wanted to talk about to start the show off today is there are some people out there saying that Enlist Soybeans will cup even though Extend soybeans don't, and the only reason why is stress. Um, Look, there's a lot of dicamba that's moved around the country cupping leaves, and I don't care if somebody says, oh, we weren't spraying any dicamba, or I don't think there's any dicamba in our area. Um, If the extend beans are not cupped and the enlist beans are cupped, that tells you it's dicamba, all right? So there's no, I, somebody told me today, oh, uh, there's a genetic marker in the enlist that uh, will cup when there's stress. I'm like, no, that's nonsense. That, that is not true. The enlist beans are just as stress tolerant as the extend beans. There's some dicamba cupping. Now, the good news is if it's light cupping, the odds are very, very slim that you're going to have yield loss. We've been planting enlist beans on our farm for quite a few years, and every year the beans cup because somebody around, I can't say all of them, but every year somebody sprays dicamba somewhere. I don't know where, I don't know when, but it happens. The beans cup a little bit, but I can just tell you in our variety trials where we've got extend right next to enlist, the enlist gets cupped a little bit. The enlist beans still yield right with the extend beans. It's no big deal 99% of the time. Now, certainly, there are issues where the dicamba can actually hurt the enlist beans. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It can. It stinks. I don't like it. Nobody does. And it gives all of us farmers a bad name. But with the later spraying that we're seeing, not just in soybeans, but in corn too, pastures, ditches, all these other uses for dicamba. Don't forget about those. I mean, we're bound to see some of that that leaf cupping we have for decades now. It's worse now because of the later spraying. And I was just talking to a couple farmers and agronomists this morning about this. And I said, well, guys, think about this for just one second. Even if there's no, there are no dicamba beans in your area, when can you spray status? How late can you spray Diflex? Let's keep in mind that 20 years ago, we did not have these dicamba safeners. And you knew that if you sprayed your corn past V4, V5, you were in big trouble. It was going to really hurt the corn. Well, today you don't have as much worry when you're using one of those safe and dicamba products. So I see a lot of farmers spraying corn really late with dicamba. I don't like it, but it, it's legal. It's labeled. It happens. And same thing out in pastures, road ditches, all this kind of stuff. There are other uses for dicamba besides the beans. And I can't figure out how to make dicamba stop moving throughout the countryside in terms of volatility. I I mean, physical drift, sure, we can get that stopped. But 
the the volatility that's really what we're seeing most of the time so it's kind of unfortunate but that that is what we're we're dealing with out there it's not just oh the enlist beans don't tolerate stress yes they tolerate stress just fine i get this uh email let's go and jump into the egg phd mailbag it's the mailbag Got this one from Sherry, and and she said, uh, I just watched a story about spraying, and you guys have spoken about using caution with dicamba and 2,4-D. Yep. I'm pushing for the removal of dicamba. Our farm has been hit multiple times. Uh, drift has come over our vegetable garden, pumpkin patch, and rolled the plants, not to mention our orchard trees and, and of course, bean fields downwind. A couple of years ago, I don't think it's a coincidence, a couple of our young maple trees uh had dead branches on them in the same direction this drift came from it's it's just unfortunate neighbors can't be more respectful of each other yeah but let's that's really tough because if the neighbor is following the label then they feel like they are respectful and i get that that's my concern with the dicamba is the volatility movement physical drift is a whole different thing we don't see a lot of physical drift anymore because people are hopefully smart enough and like you say respectful enough so that's not a real big issue. It does happen from time to time. There are mistakes, all right? But I am saying when I land something on my target and I still have volatility, that's frustrating. I, I, I hate to see products get removed, though, because then where does that stop? And I, I don't know. It's just it, it's a really tough deal. But, yeah, I'm with you. I get it. I understand. We've had the same issues on our own farm. My feeling is if we just said, you know what, let's just cut her all off at June 1. If we just sprayed our dicamba by June 1, I don't think we'd see hardly anything anywhere. I really don't because we used to spray a lot of dicamba when I was a young agronomist, but people sprayed spike to V2 in corn. Well, that was in May. Well, if you're spraying in May, there, there aren't a lot of beans up, and if they are, they're not nearly as susceptible, it seems like. We just don't see a lot of problems with the canvas spring in May. In my book, a lot of the problems come in June or in early July when somebody's out spraying. And again, perfectly legal. You can spray July in July, in corn even, as long as that corn is not above a certain height. Or for that matter, you can spray in pastures and a number of other non-crop areas. All right, got a question that came in from Jeff, and he said, uh, are there fully fertilizers on the market with all the necessary micros in one product, like, example, boron, copper, or some of the nutrients that I need? Hey, Jeff, yeah, there sure are. Uh, there, there are lots of combos. I know we've used some micro 500 over the years. I like micro 1000 that AgroLiquid has, but there are tons of products out there on the market with multiple micronutrients in them. I think it is important though to take a look at what form those nutrients are in. I like the sulfate form as well as any that seems to be pretty available to the plant and tank mix compatible with other things as well. Thanks for the question, Jeff. We're going to get to more of your questions, and we're going to be discussing spider mites on today's Ag PhD radio show. Stay tuned. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio and our topic today here in the Morton studio is spider mites. Hopefully you don't have spider mites out in your fields right now, but if you do, we've got some ideas for you on how to get them under control. I got Ryan Hunt with us right now with FMC. He's based out of North Dakota. Ryan, uh, I heard you guys are catching some rain even heading west in North Dakota. Are spider mites going to be an issue this year? Well, that's a good question. As hot as it is, if it turns off the rain, they probably will be. But typically when we've got good moisture, we don't really run into them. But, uh, you know, I did have a call yesterday from just down south of you guys around Sioux Falls where they were trying to put together a plan. They're thinking they're going to start showing up where you're a little drier. So they're definitely going to be out there in some places, I would bet. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I, I would say this, too, uh, something I take out of your first points there is you can't sleep on it. You can't say, oh, no, it's it's good now. We're good the rest of the season. Things can change in a hurry when it gets hot in the summer, no doubt about that. So with spider mites, uh, we, we hear a lot of talk about uh, miticides, but also certain insecticides that work well and others that don't. Uh, talk to us about the insecticides, Ryan. Which ones work well and which ones should we avoid? So the most common insecticides really out there, everybody's got a pyrethroid, right? Um, you know, you kind of think, well, pyrethroid's a pyrethroid. Well, they're not really. Um, kind of like a herbicide is not a herbicide. Works on different things, different bugs. So, you know, if, you got, if you're using a pyrethroid, you've got to have something with bifenthrin in it. That's the only thing that will truly kill the spider mites. So something like brigade or capture is... Um, straight by fenthrin then we also have a hero which is a mix um you can knock them out with those you don't want to use something like your lamb does uh that everyone kind of has on hand good economical cheap price but they actually don't kill the spider mites they'll just flare them um what that means is it kind of just irritates them and makes them mad and they end up leaving those bottom leaves and the ground where they're just hanging out not causing a lot of problems and they 
fly up to the new tissue and cause even more damage on you. Um, the other thing would be an OP, which in the past a lot of chlorpyrifos, lorisban was going out. Now we know we don't have that anymore this year. So the good old dimethoate from years ago that's still around out there, if you can get some of that, that'll do a good job on them too. You know, when you think about these mite flare-ups, uh, the the other predators that will help take care of mites and help keep them in check, if we wipe all them out, we're in trouble. And a lot of times we'll hear people talk about beneficials, but we don't want to hurt the beneficials. That gets to be a challenge, like you say, with some of those second-generation, even first-generation pyrethroids, if we're spraying them, we, we can take away a lot of the beneficials, and, and mites can be even more of an issue. Uh, you mentioned lower leaves, and this is another thing that I think is kind of tough with spider mites is getting good coverage to get all of them. Uh, how do you do that, especially when the crop gets big? The best way is uh, the, the more water you put on there, some flat fan nozzles to really get it pushed in there, um, you know, more pressure, and then throw a good oil in there. Throw some MSO in with it. Uh, some of those organosilicones, if, you're, if you guys are pushing one of them, have that on hand on the farm throw that in there, get it down in that canopy before, you know, the other thing when it's hot like this, they can evaporate a little bit and not get in there. So you want that oil to really, really get it down in there, spread on the leaf, cover that whole plant, get, get everything for your money. You don't want to have to come back. And the other thing, insecticides are kind of tight this year. So you don't want to, you can't bank on going out there a second time. You might not be able to get it. Yeah, you want to do a good job the first time, no doubt about it, and you want to stop the damage that spider mites are causing. We're talking with Ryan Hunt with FMC. Ryan, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Hope you hope you don't have any mites this year in North Dakota. Yep, me too. That means we're having a good growing season, so I appreciate <laughs> it, guys. You bet. <laughs> uh, how about down in Kansas? Got Garrison Gundy with us right now. Uh, Garrison's with Valent. How are you doing, Garrison? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. You know, we were talking about insecticides, and, and there are a few that can do a decent job on mites, but uh, I'll tell you what, they might stop mites that are here now. They don't stop all the different life cycles of mites, and that's where you need uh, a miticide. Uh, when we think about using miticides, uh, talk to us a little bit about that, Garrison. What are some of the things that we need to know if we're going to be applying a miticide on our farm? Yeah, so I think you talked on it before. Um, one of the really nice things with using a, a true miticide like Zeal uh, SC or Zeal Pro from Valent, um, we do we do keep those beneficials in check, and so it's kind of a tag team program. If you can control the spider mites and also keep those beneficials in check, you're going to be doing really good. Um, some things we've noticed this year, you know, the Zeal SC and the Zeal Pros have some a little bit less knockdown efficacy compared to some of the other competitors, but we see some really good residual life out of them. And so really going out there early and providing that foundation and controlling them for a season long is really what we're going after, especially on years this year where it's really hot and dry and we've seen some pretty drastic reduction in, in plant growth from spider mites. I heard a weather report early this spring, and they said, oh, I don't know if we'll even get to 90 degrees this summer. And I think it was about a week later <laughs> that we were, and I thought, oh, no, here it comes. It's not going to turn off. And you're right, the season can be unrelenting. And, you know, one of the challenges that we found on our farm in the last couple of years here of drought is that if mites get coming early, 
uh, you're going to be fighting that problem for a long time. That's where that residual that you talked about is going to be so important with zeal. Talk to us about that and the, the different stages uh, or life cycle uh, stages of mites. When do you want to try and get out there? What are you looking for to trigger that first application? Yeah, so products like Zeal Pro, um, and that's that's our newest product. We do see some reduction in the adult, but really what we're going off going after is some of the younger mo- model stages. And then also we you know can move that product into the eggs and control them that way. And really, you know the the nice thing about Zeal Pro and Zeal SC is you're basically making those females not fertile, so they can't keep producing you know new life stages going forward. And you, you hit on a good point. You know, this year we had really hot and dry weather, even super early on. And we actually had spider mites moving into V4 corn. And in several cases down in southwest Kansas, we actually saw some cornfields that were completely devastated by mites early in the season, which typically is not the case. Usually, you know, they're coming in around the tasseling and later stages in the season. So, you know, our... our our approach this year and targeting those yields pro applications have been going out right when you start seeing those adults in the field and those eggs. In, in cases this year, we've even gone out as early as B5 and B6, and we're still holding good this late in the season. So, Yeah, that, that length of control is really important, and I totally agree with what you're saying here, Garrison, about when we see those mites out there and they're just getting started. That's a great time to knock them out before that problem gets too bad. And uh, we talked about Zeal Pro a little bit as the newest option out there and and a really good one to take care of these mites. Uh, Garrison, anything else that, that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, just going forward, you know, we see fields that have chronic mite pressure year after year after year, especially down in the drier parts of southwest Kansas and parts of Texas. So we're just strongly recommend, you know, go out early next year looking for those mites and plan on doing an early application of a product like Zeal Pro with that really long extended residual control, and that really sets you up for success for the whole season. So, Well, we've been talking with Garrison Gundy with Valent. Garrison, thank you so much. Really enjoyed having you on today. Yep, thanks a lot. Brian, looking for spider mites, that's one of those things. Once you've seen them one time, I think that's really all you need to see because I I can start to see a different color on the leaves oftentimes. I'm looking for those little webs as well. Uh, I I know what I'm looking for with mites, but for for growers that haven't seen them before, uh, how how easy is it to to scout for them and and what would you be looking for? Well, the problem is they're microscopic, so... You're not going to see, I mean, a lot of these bugs out there, let's say it's grasshoppers, that's pretty easy to scout for. You, you see them or you take a sweep net or whatever, they're in your net. It's not the case with spider mites. So what we're looking for a lot of times with spider mites is leaf speckling. So you can tell that there was some feeding out there. Otherwise, you just have to kind of pay attention to what's going on in your area. And then, you know, ooh, it's time to scout or not. We're talking about spider mites on today's program and taking your calls and questions too. Stay tuned. If we only had 20 words to talk about Ag Biome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. 
To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and today we're talking about spider mites. And real happy to, to welcome Bob Wright on down at University of Nebraska to talk about that just a little bit. Uh, Bob, I know Nebraska, there have been good parts of the state that have been quite dry. Are spider mites becoming a challenge for growers? Not yet, but we're expecting to hear some reports soon. I, I hear... Some people in home horticulture situations are seeing them in eastern Nebraska where they haven't had a lot of rain, but uh, you're right. With this hot, dry weather, that typically encourages spider mite development. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about different types of mites that are out there? Are there certain ones that are worse than others, or in general, are spider mites just a bad thing? Well, the two main types we have on field crops are the two-spotted spider mite and the Banks grass mite. The two-spotted spider mite can be also on soybeans. The Banks grass mite is just on corn and other grass crops, grain sorghum. 
the two-spotted spider mite is generally more difficult because it has more likely to have resistance to a lot of pesticides that we might use. When we think about the the miticides and insecticides, you're, I, I'm assuming you're talking about resistance to uh, to some of the insecticides that growers are using. Do you see resistance to the miticides as well? Well, I guess I'm not sure. You mean the spe- more specific miticides? Correct, correct. Uh, they haven't been on the market as long except for comite, and I'm not aware of any issues with resistance to the newer Mite specific products. I think most people are using uh, things like uh, bifenthrin, pyrethroids sure. that have miticidal activity. Okay, but one uh, one term that got used earlier in the show today is mite flare-ups. Uh, what would cause a mite flare-up, Bob? Well, basically, that refers to when we use any broad-spectrum insecticide. Uh, it kills off the natural enemies that the other insects and mites that uh, help control spider mites. And then the spider mites may survive that insecticide and they can reproduce better without their natural enemies. And then you get a explode If the conditions are right, you get an explosion or apparent explosion in the mite numbers because they're, they're not suppressed by the previous natural enemies. Are there any of these natural predators that we'd recognize? Are, are there some of the common things that uh, we think about as um, beneficials like green lacewings or, or ladybugs or any of those types of things that are natural predators there? Or is, there, is it just a completely different uh, or completely different species that are going after those mites? No, it's th- those two can be important. Also, the aureus bug is a very efficient uh, mite predator. There are some small lady beetles that, that uh, people may not recognize that are called mite destroyer beetles that uh, really specialize on spider mites. They're usually small, black, pinhead-sized beetles. Uh, but those are the main ones. I guess also uh, a few other generalist predators that feed on aphids and, and mites on crops. Now, when we have more rainfall, we normally, at least where we farm, we don't see spider mites. Is there something about wet weather, too, and disease or, or fungus? Or what what causes wet weather to, to not have big mite outbreaks? Well, one thing is there is a, a mite-specific fungus that can attack, build up on spider mites if the weather conditions are appropriate, including high humidity and, and free moisture on the leaves. Uh, I guess also when we have wet weather, it tends to be cooler, and that favors some of the natural enemies more than the mites as well, temperature-wise. Sure, sure. Uh, All right, Bob, here we are in the middle of the growing season. Are there any big insect outbreaks that growers should be watching for right now? Oh, depending on where you are, there's a lot of things. I mean, we have uh, in, in our area, we had a pretty large flight of western bean cutworms in a lot of uh, parts of the central part of the state, and they attack both corn and soybeans and dry beans. We're starting to see grasshoppers show up more. Uh, we've had pretty good survival of rootworm beetles in some areas because of a relatively mild winter we had compared to some years. So there's plenty of things to 
be out there to, to look, and it's not even August yet. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of summer left, that's for sure. Uh, we're talking with Bob Wright down at University of Nebraska. Bob, thank you so much. I always enjoy having you on. Thanks for being on today. Okay, you're welcome. Let's head over to West Central Indiana now, uh, switching gears just a little bit. Got John Pettigo with us right now, uh, talking about the Ag PhD Field Day, and John's with Demco. Uh, thanks for joining us today, John. Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, it's always fun uh, seeing what Demco's got cooking at the Ag PhD Field Day because there's new equipment launches and, and things that have just been out for the last couple of years that farmers get a chance to take a look at. What are some of the things you'll be showing off at this year's Field Day? Yeah, we're really looking forward to the Field Day next week. Um, you know, like last year's, we've got uh, a variety of products on hand. Uh, we'll have some small sprayers for the farm and ranch, um, take care of your home yard, lawn and garden, as well as some three-point sprayers and even a pull-type sprayer with a brand new boom that we'll be unveiling for the first time. Um, we'll have a full lineup of our semi-trailers, so a couple different steel grain trailers, a liquid tender trailer that has been really popular the last couple of years, as well as a drop deck trailer and a side dump. That's a new product that we've had in our portfolio for many years, but I don't think it's made it to hefty, so we're excited about it. And then last but not least, we're also going to be unveiling a new model of single auger grain cart. Interesting. Yeah, the grain cart thing is always exciting. Uh, I know Brian always says, man, it's like having another half a combine out there and how much it speeds up operations on our farm. So that's something that's always pretty exciting. And and I do like hearing about some of the smaller things, too, that so often we'll, we'll have feedback on our show and say, man, this it's such big equipment we see on your show. But what about for the smaller guy? Well, there's plenty of new things coming out for the smaller farmer, too. Yeah, most definitely. You know, for us, our Pro Series lineup of equipment, that's going to be our 40, 60, 80-gallon sprayers, um, a variety of different pumps, fit-ups to best suit the end customer's needs. These can be a trailer model. We make a skid that goes in the back of the UTV, as well as a little three-point or what we call a rear mount for some of the smaller um, little one-series, two-series tractors that we see a lot of, too. So it's been a great, great product for us. And um, for guys that have two, three, four acres and taking care of some um, area around the shop, it really works great and handy. You know, one of the things that we, we often think about some of the spray systems and, and so forth with Demco and, and the grain carts, but the semi-trailers, that's something that uh, I, I know some folks that see that say, wow, I didn't realize Demco was doing that. Uh, talk to us about what's a little bit different about some of these grain trailers. Yeah, so for us, you know, on the grain trailers, we do a a steel grain trailer. We've got sizes from 24 feet all the way up to 42 feet, um, a variety of sizes to fit your operation. You know, out here where I'm at in West Central Indiana, we'll do more 24, 28, maybe get up to that 34-footer. But as you work further south and you get into some different crops, um, you start seeing the the steel grain trailer really, really pop up and is popular. So it's been a great model for us, especially um, in times where, Uh, People are really watching their input prices and everything's going up. That steel grain trailer can be a good alternative to people that in the past have kind of focused on that aluminum trailer market. It's a great farmer-friendly in-the-field trail that's rugged and durable and will hold up through really anything you throw at it in the field. 
You know, the other thing you mentioned there, uh, John, was the liquid tender trailer. And I think about just speeding up operations on our farm and uh, having that tender trailer set up well just makes such a difference for us. Uh, what's a little bit different there, and what do you find guys looking for? Yeah, it's been a great product for us. We've had it now for a couple of years, you know, 36 foot up to 42 foot in tandem axle configurations. We also have a 48 foot and a tri-axle. You'll see some more of that as we get up into the Dakotas. You know, for us, just the overall capacity. A um, couple different tank options from center sump to in sump, uh, in drain sump, I should say, um, all the way up to 6,500 gallons. So really just speeding up your efficiency. That is something we try to talk about in almost every single conversation we have with a dealer or an end customer. Uh, right now with those inputs up, how can we maximize ROI and, and, Absolutely. and really get the most out of the product. Uh, we're talking with John Pettigo here with Demco. Look forward to seeing you, John, next week at the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 28th. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stock roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stock breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. 
and compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Row in action at 360yieldcenter.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are just one week away from the Ag PhD field day. It's coming up Thursday, July 28th. It's right on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Really excited about that. You can pre-register. You can learn all the details, find the schedule, and the whole works at agphd.com. I've got Abe Eubank on with us next with TopCon. Uh, Abe, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, guys. Hey, how's everybody doing today? We are doing well, and one of the cool things at the Ag PhD Field Day each year is all the technology, all the cool things that are, well, way above Brian and my heads, that's for sure, that are coming out to help us do a better job on the farm. What's TopCon got to show off this year? Uh, so, yeah, this year at TopCon, we've had the pleasure of actually being able to have a field plot demonstration there at your guys' field day, and this is the, a first for TopCon. Um, this will be my second time attending the Ag, Ag PhD Field Day. and So what we're hoping to do this year is actually show in our plots two of our main field solution pieces that we have, and that's our tillage depth control as well as our crop spec nitrogen sensing technology. So with the plots we have, um, with our tillage depth control, we're shooting to, to really highlight the, the importance of that proper seed bed preparation you know not too deep not too shallow till maintaining consistency across the board so we can give each one of those corn seeds you know every opportunity available for proper germination and even germination as we you know go into to the early part of the seasons to complement that we're also going to have our crop spec nitrogen sensing technology as well showing that and really being able to highlight how variable a field can be in this nitrogen content and it's nitrogen you know, within the soil plant uptake in a short period of of time you know from start of the field to the end of the field show that variation and really truly highlight the importance of proper nitrogen applications wow and that is really cool abe when we think about the variability that's out in our fields and i'll start with this i'll start with the first thing you were talking about uh tillage depth control and just getting that proper seed bed that has made such a huge difference once again this year. And as we get technology like this and we can see, hey, if we can actually manage that a little bit better, look at how much better that stand looks and how, and how we can handle some of the different stresses that are going to come along the way. Then you talk about the nitrogen variability out there. Uh, you're hitting that just at the right time, Abe, because nitrogen seemed to be the talk of the industry this year. Right, and, and as we all know, input costs over the board have just skyrocketed this year for, you know, just with everything going on with COVID and supply chain issues, and nitrogen is by far leading the pack, and, you know, just cost increase, so, you know, guys are looking to wring every dollar they can out of that investment to make sure they get the most coming back, and crop spec really kind of, it, it pushes that along, so it's showing you're putting out what's needed, where it's needed. So you're reducing that over application and under application. So you're really getting the most for that investment. 
Yeah, being efficient with every dollar we're spending is important. We're always talking about return on investment here, and when nitrogen prices are as high as they have been this year, and who knows what next year is going to bring, uh, that that crop spec nitrogen sensing is going to be really important. Uh, so, Abe, you got a field plot this year, and that that's fun that you actually can show stuff off of. Hey, guys, here's what it is out there. Uh, what did you learn with the Ag PhD Field Day coming here for the first time last year? Oh, just last year, like I said, it was my first time being there. So I've heard about it for you know, the past several years and I have always wanted to attend. So last year, finally got the opportunity to do that. And just the scope and the magnitude of of the different people in attendance. I mean, you got growers from all over the country, you know, different parts of the world at times. And just being able to talk to those guys and kind of see the differences from within, you know, across each region things like that that's the biggest thing to me so it's not just geared for one region or one location but it truly is you know open and beneficial for guys all over the country well thanks for saying that abe and it is so helpful to have experts in our industry like abe eubank here with topcon to to be on hand to answer questions and if you get a chance to come to the ag phd field day make sure you look abe up in the topcon area abe thank you so much really appreciate it look forward to seeing you next week yep look forward to seeing you guys and Feel free to stop by and talk to us. Get any questions you may have answered. You bet. Nabe's going to get a little break up here. Uh, being from Georgia, it'll be a nice, nice, cool day up here, Brian. Boy, we're, we're expecting low 80s. It's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, they're talking 80 degrees right now, low the night before, 60. We start at 7 a.m., and a lot of people go, my gosh, you guys, 7 a.m.? Yes, <laughs> we're farmers, and we like the cool weather in the morning. It's really beautiful most mornings around here in South Dakota. So anyway, we'd love to have you join us, Ag PhD Field Day. It's always the last Thursday in July, so that's next week, just a week from today, Thursday, July 28th. We were talking on the show today about spider mites, and I guess the thing I want to leave you with on this spider mite deal is your insecticide selection could really make an impact on the spider mite population. For example, we were talking earlier in the show about the mite flare-ups. If you are using, let's call, I'll just call it one of the cheap pyrethroids, so let's say it's a Lambda product or something, they're great on most insects, and they cost 2 or $3 an acre for the full rate. Always use a full rate, by the way. But the problem is they don't kill spider mites, and the other problem is they do kill some of the beneficial insects that control spider mites. So here is a mistake we made just a year ago. So we we're in the middle of a severe drought a year ago, and spider mites showed up earlier than we'd ever seen them on our farm. It was the middle of July, or middle of June, I should say, middle of June. And we went out and sprayed by fenthrin to kill the spider mites. That was a mistake. We should have gone with a better miticide, something like zeal, just for example. So we could have done a better job, number one, on the mites, and number two, left longer residual. Plus, if we don't kill as many of the beneficials, that obviously can help us later on. Because what happened is, yeah, we controlled the mites then, but they came back in again, and we were holding off and waiting to spray soybean aphids, waiting to spray our fungicide later. So we waited a good month five weeks, something like that, before we sprayed again. And in the meantime, the mites did a lot of damage to our soybeans. So I would just say, 
yeah, if you're in the northern United States and you can get by with something like dimethoate or bifenthrin or a combination of the two, so it's pretty inexpensive, and you don't have to spray until the end of July or early August, you're probably okay doing that. But if you have to spray real early, I'm, I'm talking June, in the northern United States, it's probably a good idea to just invest a few extra dollars, go with one of those specialized and great miticides. If you're in another area of the country, or really for anybody listening anywhere, I'd really pay attention to are the, I'm going to call them normal insecticides like bifenthrin and dimethoate, are they going to control my mites or are they not? If I've got resistance, I just have flat out issues with them controlling my mites, I can't count on them at all. So if I see mites, I got to go with one of these other products. And there are quite a number of them out there, many different modes of action. So that's really good. And like Bob Wright was saying earlier, there really doesn't seem to be a whole lot of mite resistance to some of those specialized miticides. So those are good options for you. Um, As long as we're talking about this and insecticides, miticides, that kind of thing, I'll just bring up right now we are spraying on our farm. We're spraying our soybeans. We had sprayed earlier in the white mold areas. So we have not a whole lot of soybean acres for us this year. We put a lot of corn in. We put a lot of alfalfa in. So we only have about 500 acres of beans. That's the least amount we've had in, I don't even know, 30 years. But anyway, on our beans, out of those 500 acres, we probably have, I'm going to call it roughly 100 acres, where we've had white mold at some point in the past. So it's through the low grounds. It's near the shelter belts. It's, I mean, we can see it very plainly on our yield maps and where where we've had these issues before we've got those marked out so what we did is we went out we spot sprayed cobra let's call it around june 15th then we came two three weeks later with endura in those same spots we're going to come another two three weeks from now and we're going to spray a combination of topson and domark so we'll have hit the white mold areas three times Plus, right now, on all 500 acres, we're out there spraying fungicide and insecticide and some some natural products as well. So anyway, that's what we're doing on our farm right now today. We're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag next. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. 
AgPhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's AgPhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free AgPhD Field Day. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Still time for your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Brian, got this one from Nick in Northwest Ohio. He said, guys, I'm going to spray some Liberty, but I'm also going to spray some Liberty and Roundup. I need to use the AI tips. Oh, I used to use AI tips. However, I've heard that dual flat fans work better. What would you recommend if you're spraying Liberty alone? And what would you recommend if you're spraying Liberty with Roundup? Would it be the same nozzle or would you switch? Uh, well, first of all, why are we throwing Roundup in with Liberty? Darren, can you think of any possible reason? You have some product that you want to use up and you don't want to have it sit around until <laughs> next year? I'm just wondering why why well, you would throw the Roundup if in. The roundup's not, if the Roundup's not working and it's not going to kill the weeds, right. so then you why would go you go Liberty? Yeah, then why don't you just use Liberty? Now, right. I get it. A lot of folks say, well, Liberty, I have to use a really high rate to do a great job on the grass. And maybe having a low rate of Roundup mm-hmm. in there might help pick up some grass. Maybe, but mm. I, don't, I don't think you're going to. No. I don't think you're going to kill the. Re- the grass with a cheaper rate of roundup than just increasing the liberty a few more ounces. And by increasing the liberty a few more ounces, you're going to have much better control on broadleaves because let's face it, the odds are if you're spraying this late, those weeds are big. Now, say that you've got perennials and you say, well, I want the roundup in there for perennials. I think you're going to burn them too much with the liberty. I don't think you're going to get a good kill with the roundup. Nope. So I don't know why. I really don't know why you would mix the two. I have had many people ask me and I I ask the same question every time. It's like, why? What, what? What are, you, what are you after here? And that's usually the response I get. It's it's grass or it's, well, I don't want to go that high rate on Liberty. Just go the high rate on Liberty and have it over with. That would be my suggestion. But let's say that you wanted to mix the two. You got a real problem there because in order to make Liberty work, you got to have lots of water. This is the other issue with tank mixing these two things. Roundup does not work well when you put in lots of water. Next problem is we got to have small spray droplets when you're spraying Liberty. We don't really want that because we've got to be 
concerned about the drift of the Roundup. So it just doesn't fit very well. But if it's me, I'm focused on getting that Liberty to work. So I'm going to use the spray nozzle that's going to give me the best performance for Liberty. That's what I would do. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Again, a couple of questions here. This is from Darren, and he said, okay, a couple of things here for you guys. First of all, uh, I heard you talking about fulvic acid and using that with fungicide and that you're seeing uh, better, better control on the disease. I'm just wondering, do you know anything about adding something, especially where we've got Western bean cutworms, uh, to aid in coverage and get it into the worms better. It seems like we can't always get control on them when they're down near and just starting into the ear. No. No, I don't. Nope. Now, just use grant- Trisepticorn and then you've got a trait in there and you've got them taken care of. But as far as spraying over the top, uh, no. Luck. And could you try a spray adjuvant to hopefully stick a little bit more in the leaves, spread it around a little more? Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. You could do that. But number one, you got to be careful about your timing. You want to do it after tassel or you got to have an APE, NPE free product in terms of adjuvant. So so make sure that, that you are talking to your retailer about that. But is it going to help much? I seriously doubt it. I've never seen any data showing that it is. But if you want to try that, you could, and it doesn't cost much. Okay, the other question, comment here. He said, I, I heard guys talking on our show about boron deficiency and asking about rippled leaves, noticing that in southwest Nebraska, fairly often we have plants that the leaves roll up during heat stress, and sometimes when those leaves get back to normal shape, they are kind of wrinkly on the sides, and I wonder if there's some drought stress or something like that. Probably not the issue, but he said, just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, and there are there are a variety of things where people will say, oh, yeah, if you see this, it's probably this over here. Well, I would verify that it's actually the boron deficiency. Uh, most of the time, it's just the drought stress. But that's not to say that the plant might also be under some stress because it doesn't have enough boron out there. Boron is a very important nutrient. It's just you don't need a lot of it in your plant. Unfortunately, though, boron is leachable, so that means you may have to add some boron every single year, especially if, let's say, you are in Nebraska and you have sand, but you also have irrigation, well, you may be flushing that boron out each and every year, so that's why you just have to keep adding it. There are some people who will run the boron through the pivot. Some people will do a little bit around planting time. We, we like having good levels of boron early and especially as you get near tasseling time. Boron is really important in almost all plants around flowering. All right, thanks for the question. I get this one in from George over in Bulgaria with some pink-looking pink um, stems on his wheat. And he said, my yield goal was 160, and I, I fertilized for such and and uh, used Persaro at flowering and these types of things, but only ended up getting 130 bushels per acre. Just wondering what's going on, why the discoloration on these stalks. You know, it does look like fusarium. Uh, it does look like... Uh, something that dry weather could cause. So that would be my thought. Uh, in the future, I guess, I don't know what you did for seed treatment, uh, but you could do multiple foliar fungicides. That's fine. You could do uh, seed treatment like, I, I don't know what treatments are available necessarily in, 
necessarily in Bulgaria, but I mean, seed treatment and then foliar fungicide approach is, is one that I would do. But Brian, you know, one thing I was thinking about in corn, sometimes we get kind of a pinkish or, or purplish looking stem when we've got an accumulation of sugars that don't have anywhere to go that the wheat was already kind of done, yet the plant was still taking up nutrients and that kind of thing. You could have something like that too, George, since he did put extra fertility out there. Yeah, it's it's possible. How many times did it get sprayed with fungicide? Though? I don't know. He yeah. just mentioned the Prosero flowering. but Yes, because I'll just say this. A lot of the really high-yield wheat producers, at least where they have moisture and humidity, they are spraying at herbicide timing with fungicide. They're spraying again at flag leaf, and then they're spraying again at heading. So if you are only spraying the one time, then that really leads me to believe what you're seeing there is disease. All right. I had this question come in from Kyle. You uh, said, I'm curious about your thoughts on regenerative farming. Uh, I'm a fifth-generation farmer in southern Oregon, and and Lots of information out there. I just don't know what's real and what's not. My grandpa, who's 86, taught me how to farm, and I recently found your show thanks to a neighbor, and it sounds like I kind of do things very similar to the way you guys do. Uh, I guess what I'm interested in is your thoughts on when people say we only have 50 years of soil left. I feel like the methods we're using and what my grandfather taught me (laughs) was regenerative farming. Just curious what you guys think. 50 years of soil left. That's that's preposterous. So we're building soil across the United States now, not depleting it. If you look at the erosion statistics and the topsoil statistics and the organic matter statistics, we're getting better now. Now, granted, we weren't for a really long time. We were depleting some things. But now we've kind of figured out how to do things. And it's not just that. It's not like, oh, we all of a sudden woke up. We finally are getting a lot of the tools. We now have drain tile that we can put in ourselves and do it really well we can we have fantastic equipment so we can farm even though there is a lot of residue and still get really good stands and good emergence and stuff and we have much better and safer herbicides now too and so right away when i say tile and herbicides a lot of people don't think that's regenerative oh yeah that's regenerative if i don't have tile in the ground i'll promise you on our farm i do not have as healthy a soil which means i can't be regenerative and then in terms of the herbicides it's only thanks to herbicides that i can get by without all the tillage we used to have to do i mean i don't think a lot of people realize what farmers had to go through 30, 50 years ago. I mean, it was till, 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 till. And the reason why is that was the only way they could stop the weeds, the insects, the diseases. I mean, they they had so many problems. And also then to dry out the soil. So that's where the tile thing comes in. So yeah, it's thanks to all this modern technology we've got that allows us to be even more regenerative and to actually build soils and still do well and still make a profit. So it's it's really exciting where we're at today, and I think the future is going to get even a lot better. So 50 years, no way. 5,000 years? Okay, that I could maybe go along with. Well, we did see... Uh old old soils in the world that have been abused and and haven't been treated well but man with modern technology now with the modern equipment we've got and farming practices now we're in it we're in a great shape we're in a great spot for a long time well speaking of that uh, coming up next week 
a week from today is the Ag PhD Field Day. You can find the details at agphd.com. We start at 7 a.m. bright and early. It's supposed to be an absolutely beautiful day next Thursday, so we really look forward to seeing you there. It's not too late. You can pre-register or, hey, you know what? If it's kind of a last-minute decision for you, just come. We would love to have you at the Ag PhD Field Day. Thanks for listening today, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.